Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. today is Jesus Destroys, and Lydia, one of the members of our worship team, she was like, oh yeah, I love that title, that's just that's just filling me with hope, but maybe by the end of this, maybe she'll change her mind, maybe she'll see that it's actually a very hopeful thing that we are seeing about what Jesus does. So I had read this scripture a few weeks back, but I want to start with just this verse from 1 John 3 verse 8. And it will explain a little bit about what we mean when we say Jesus destroys. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus, the Word made flesh, the Creator We don't necessarily think of him as one who destroys, but scripture says that he came to destroy the works of the devil. We also know that Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief is the one who comes to kill, to steal, to destroy, but that Jesus came to give us life, abundant life, flourishing life life. The paradox is that for life to be full and fruitful, we will sometimes experience the destructive side of Jesus' power. You may remember beginning this year talking about flourishing in John 15, talking about the reality of abiding in Jesus. In that context, Jesus also talks about something that it may seem destructive at first, and that is the act of pruning, of gathering up the unproductive vines and burning them. You know, we like the parts that say, if you abide in me, you can do all things. We like the part where Jesus says, I come that you may have life and life abundant. We would like to hear that part over and over and over again. The pruning part, not so much. The very real necessity to stop sinning, as we just read in 1 John 3, we'd rather not think on that part too much. But this is a necessary part of a flourishing life. Today's text takes place in the final week of Jesus' life, leading up to his betrayal and his crucifixion. We're going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. So if you'd prefer to turn there in your own Bible, that's where we're going to be. Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. The context is that Passover is coming. And everyone is heading to Jerusalem, including Jesus and his disciples. 
from what we read in Mark's gospel, it appears that they are basically like staying in the burbs and then heading into the city for each day's activities. So here in our area, we're used to that, where if there's a big event down in Washington, D.C., well, lots of people will be staying out here and grabbing the metro to go in, right? This is what they were doing, staying out in the burbs, coming into Jerusalem. And we're going to begin reading at verse 9 in Mark 11 and see what went on on this couple of days here in Jesus' life. Verse 9, Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David! Praise God in the highest heaven! So Jesus came to Jerusalem. I'm going to stop right there in the middle of that verse. What we just read there is what we have come to know as Palm Sunday, which we will be celebrating next Sunday. But so Jesus came to Jerusalem after this Hosanna moment processing in, and he went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf, a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves, because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. When they arrived back in Jerusalem... Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer For all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. The next morning, As they passed by the fig tree, he had cursed. The disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. 
This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, I love reading about stuff you did and the way you did it. And I pray that you would help us with this text today, that our hearts will be open to learn that good seed would be planted. Anoint me to speak it out, the word that you have for your people today. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there is so much here to talk about, and I'm going to work hard at reining it in uh, for today's focus. But I do want to highlight a couple of places where today's text connects us back to some of the previous conversations in this series. So we've had Jesus delivers, Jesus um, deploys, Jesus disrupts, and now today we're on Jesus destroys. Well, Jesus deployed his disciples with a specific gospel message, the kingdom of God is near. And in this text, as Jesus was entering Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, the people were crying out, Hosanna, affirming Jesus as king and declaring the coming kingdom. It turns out they misunderstood the kind of kingdom that Jesus was establishing. And you know what? We are prone to get it wrong sometimes, too. So we should learn from that. The good news is that the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is where what God wants to happen actually happens. We know now that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost deployed to continue proclaiming the good news. So as we continue going through this couple of weeks leading up to Easter, and you'll hear the, the, the sounds of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's remember that the kingdom of God is near and we are the ones deployed now. Jesus destroys. So the cursing of the fig tree in today's text has been labeled the only destructive miracle that Jesus performed. Now, I got to thinking about that in these terms. Of all the healing that Jesus did, in our modern understanding of disease, even though it's very limited, and we've learned that, haven't we? Um, we, one of the things that, that the physicians do is attack the bad cells. They give you medicines to help attack and destroy the bad cells, whether it's a virus or a bacteria or a cancer, etc. And the reason for that, so that the healthy cells can reproduce again and take their proper place. So maybe Jesus was destroying some things as he performed healings, we don't know the whole reality of how those miracles happen, but it's just a meditation to consider. But I want to look at this fig tree incident in the full context that we just read it in and see what's happening here. Jesus had triumphantly entered Jerusalem amidst the praise, the hosannas, the joy, the anticipation, and he went to the temple. And the scripture says he carefully looked at everything. Then he headed back to their lodgings in Bethany for the night. So the fig tree incident takes place that next morning. So they're headed back to Jerusalem, and Jesus is hungry. 
Now, <laughs> maybe there just wasn't enough breakfast to go around because there were so many people um, in the lodgings. Or maybe he had just burned so many calories, he just needed an extra snack. I, not, I don't know. What we know is he was hungry. And he sees a fig tree in full leaf. Now, scholars note this, that Jesus was not clueless about the proper season for figs. But in this case, like he knew that it was early. It was early in the season, and normally one wouldn't expect to find figs. But sometimes a plant would have small early figs, these small little protuberances that ripen with the leaves. So Jesus was probably hoping to find these delicacies. The other things that scholars note is that this episode was an acted parable. Jesus was actually acting out a parable, telling a story to us with his actions. What is a parable? A story with intent. And that intent is to teach, illuminate, explain some aspect of the kingdom of God. Our text we read today has a second acted parable, the cleansing of the temple. And we need to understand that these are acting together. When Jesus encounters falsehood, theft, greed, and oppression, he set about destroying the works of the devil. So, in the case of the fig tree, there was a showy display of leaves suggesting fruit. It was enough to catch Jesus' eye from a little way off, and so he walked over to it. The kingdom principle here is that we are expected to bear fruit. Don't put on a display of everything's good here when it's not. The fig trees that weren't in season yet weren't cursed. <laughs> they weren't making a showy display. They were still content in their bare branches. Don't be tempted to falsehood putting on a showy display when you know there's no fruit there. Bare branches do not mean barrenness. Those bare branches may be doing exactly what they're supposed to do, abiding in the vine, deepening the roots, allowing the flow of life within the branches, the stems, and the budding leaves so that healthy fruit will come. Abide in Jesus. Remain in the vine. This is where the fruit will come from. Hold fast to faith, hope, and love. You haven't heard those three in a while, but we know that that is what we are to hold on to and to allow those things that are keeping you from growing in God, allow them to be pruned. Maybe last season, that was your favorite branch, the leafiest of them all. It was so pretty. But if it is keeping you from bearing fruit, it is time 
to submit to the pruning that Jesus wants to do in your life. In the case of the temple, there was a showy display of religious marketing. At this busiest week of the year, the market had spread out over the court of the Gentiles, keeping people out and unable to come and pray and seek God. This incident was not some snap decision of Jesus. He had looked around carefully the previous day at everything and then left. Coming back the next morning, he began the task of clearing out the temple. Now listen, this was not just a couple of tables getting thrown over. One scholar notes the size of the market where there's a record of a single merchant just one of the vendors there selling 3,000 sheep in a single day. This clearing the temple was a time-consuming effort on Jesus' part. He spent the day doing it. The, the scripture says, until it was completely cleared out. And it astonished the crowds, the Pharisees, the priests, and his disciples. Jesus' focus on the temple at this moment is that of a house of prayer for all nations. This is, again, the declaration of the good news. The kingdom of God is near. It is good news for who? For everyone, all nations. And the setting up of a thievish market was in direct conflict with the will of God. So that was another one of the acted parables was clearing out that which is holding people back from coming to God. The full story of the fig tree isn't clear until the next day. After a day of clearing the temple, Jesus and his disciples head back again to Bethany. The next morning, they begin the trek back to Jerusalem. And this is when they see the fig tree completely withered from the roots up the scripture says the disciples notice it and peter points it out to jesus look rabbi the tree you cursed it's withered and died now jesus response is perhaps well known to you i don't know if you knew that that's what it was responding to but let's hear him once more what does he say keeping in mind this these two acted parables that have just happened in this context. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. How does this fit with what just went on in this chapter? What, what is Jesus saying here? Well, first thing he's saying is have faith in God. When dis 
disappointments come your way. Something looked <laughs> like it was the right thing. But once you got to it, there was no fruit. Have faith in God. When you face deception, someone told you this is the way it's going to be. And once you've committed, something happens and there's no fruit. Have faith in God. When you face manipulation and intimidation and the people with the money are calling the shots and you really can't find your way in and you're, you're just trying to, to do the right thing, but it, even that is becoming difficult because of the way the system is set up. Have faith in God. It's interesting, I've heard uh, some people who claim the name of Christ try to take this story in the scripture to say that some acts of evil are following Jesus. Because, well, look what Jesus did. Be careful, friends. <laughs> what Jesus is doing here is coming against the works of the devil. And we need to be very precise in our interpretation of that and to understand that when Jesus said to us, have faith in God, and then I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, what mountain? Why, why talk about moving a mountain? Well, for one thing, this was actually a common phrase that the rabbis would use to talk about something big happening. So Jesus was speaking in the vernacular of the day. But another reality is he was addressing systemic issues. He was addressing a system that was set up to take advantage of people. And when he's telling the disciples, <laughs> you can actually do something about this, have faith in God. I want, we are on, we are learning, we are in a learning stance in this church, and, and I want us to keep learning and, and know how to advocate and how to be um, an ally and all of those things, and there's things that we can do, but at some point, we are going to reach the end of ourselves. We are going to reach the end of our power and our influence and our ability to do anything that makes a difference. But in God, we can follow Jesus and help in destroying the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And one of the ways we can do it is this right here. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, be removed. It will be thrown into the sea. We need to remember that we are not on this trek by ourselves. We have got to use the power of God that he has given us. And that is in faith. That is in speaking to the principalities and powers. And that is in prayer. 
That is what God has called us to. And when we're talking about Jesus destroys, that's what we're talking about. It's not about destroying people. Even people that are involved in a system that we believe is not of God. Whoever that may be for you. The court of the Gentiles, this place where this market was set up, was meant to be a place of prayer. <laughs> Why? Because prayer makes a difference. And it was supposed to be a place of prayer for all nations. So the pattern that Jesus gave us, have faith in God, faith. Number one, faith. <laughs> Solid, grounded, complete faith. No doubt about it kind of faith in God. But next, forgive. Where did that come from, Jesus? That feels like that just came in sideways here. Like We're, we're like talking about conquering and, and destroying the works of the devil. And we're going to pray and tell that mountain to move. And now, forgive? Like what? What's that about? You see, all of us are interconnected. We are abiding in the vine, and your relationships, your relationships, your relational life impact every part of your life. And the reality is, if you know that you have a grudge, you have something going in your life where you've got unforgiveness, Jesus said, but when you're praying, uh -uh, first, forgive. Anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. A part of this destroying the works of the devil is we have to grow beyond our self-centeredness and learn to forgive and take on the attitude of Jesus when he's telling us forgive. And then speak. Speak to that mountain. Speak to those principalities and powers in the name of the Lord. And trust him to make the difference. He's the one that has the power to make the difference in these systems. And then pray. So you're speaking to the mountain, and then you're speaking to your heavenly father. Pray according to his will, believing in his goodness, believing in his faithfulness for the thing to be done. Now, friends, this passage can be pulled out of context and can be made to sound like some sort of a formula for you to just think up stuff you want and start trying to pray for it. That is not what this scripture is about. This scripture is in the context of these two lived out, acted out parables talking about what it means to walk in Christ, to bear fruit according to that, what he's called us to. And then when that fig tree did not bear fruit, 
it was cursed. And the disciples pointed it out and said, look, it's withered up. And Jesus is saying, yes, this is how that, this is the answer to that. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. So this is what this is about, is learning how to speak according to what Jesus is saying so that the things that are deceptive, (laughs) the things that are uh, disappointing, the things that are leading people astray, we can speak to those and call those systems out and see the redeeming power of God come into that situation and the work of God happen in that situation and the power of God make a difference in our lives. Jesus destroys in order to bring the kingdom of God to us. Amen. So, my goodness, friends, I've enjoyed this series, and we have one more next week. So far, we've said Jesus delivers, Jesus deploys, Jesus disrupts, and Jesus destroys. Next week, we're going to look at Jesus' desires. Uh, And I, I pray, I pray, I pray that I can convince you how very much he desires for relationship with you. And then Easter Sunday, Jesus died. He was buried, and he rose again. I'm so looking forward to celebrating that together with you. I want us to pray right now. And if I want you to think about the mountain. What is the mountain that you need to speak to today? Is it unforgiveness? Is it some kind of showing off? when you know the fruit's not there yet? What is the system in front of you that is keeping you from reaching to where you need to be in God? And we're going to pray. We're going to speak to that mountain and believe God to move it. Let's pray. Jesus, I know that you are here in our midst. You have come that we could have a full and flourishing life. Thank you for teaching us from the way you lived, from the actions you took, the miracles you performed. Help us to follow you. I pray today for the mountain that needs to be moved in each person's life as they are holding that before you right now. I pray for the faith of God to be in our hearts, that we would have strong faith in you, knowing that you are able to move this mountain for us. When we have come to the end of ourselves, to the end of our efforts, and there's still such a need, God, we are trusting you to move that mountain. In Jesus' name. For those that forgiveness is a challenge right now, even as they're praying and and they know that you've called them to forgive, I pray that you would walk with them. Help them. Help us as we grow to be like you, Jesus. 
As you hung on the cross, you even said then, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Jesus, please grow such a heart within us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good, friends. We serve a powerful, loving God. I want you to go out and make it a great day. I'm going to be on vacation this week, but I'm looking so forward to uh, bringing the word to you next Sunday and then especially to Easter Sunday together. Go out, make it a great day. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcast and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.